Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Podcast. I'm a guest host today. I'm Bridget. And I am John. It's great to have you here, Bridge. Uh, Jason is out of town uh, this weekend for his daughter Lexi's uh, hockey tournament. First, we have to give a plug to our official merchandise sponsor this season, Lawler's Custom Sportswear. Uh, it was vintage night this weekend, so Lawler's Custom had vintage apparel uh, on display and uh, for sale at their booth this weekend. And it was great this weekend to get to see so many people wearing the limited edition apparel that we did through Lawler's Custom uh, during the month of October. Uh, it was a fun little promo that we did where people uh, had a, a deadline date to order by. So it was fun to get to meet some of those uh, folks this uh, weekend, Bridge. Yes, and it was awesome to see some of uh, my concepts that were executed by you brought to life. Uh, we had six designs total, and I think I saw every single one of them at some point during this weekend. So awesome collaboration with Lawler's Custom, and it was a privilege to be able to work with them on some unique Mavpuck gear. Absolutely right. Uh, thank you to Pat Lawler for uh, for doing that collection for us. And uh, be sure to check out LawlersCustom.com for all of your UNO hockey apparel needs. All right, looking at our first NCHC series of the season, our first conference series uh, of the season, we're in the midst of a uh, four series home streak to start the season. And as Bridget is well aware, because she's heard me uh, griping about this the last few days, I prefer it when the, the home and road games are a little more balanced where they alternate throughout the season so that we're not front loaded like this. Cause it's hard to think by mid November, we will have played almost half uh, of our home games for this season. So early on in the, in the six month cycle uh, that college hockey runs. So we knew Western Michigan coming in was going to be good. 11th ranked team in the nation, top power play unit in the nation, averaging 4.8 goals per game coming into this series uh, at Baxter Arena. Uh, the first part of that first period uh, on Friday night, Bridge, uh, things were rough for the Mavs. Uh, it really looked like Western was going to roll us. The Broncos are very much like our opponents the previous weekend. Ohio State, they were big, they were fast. I know that having attended the weekly press conference, the, the coaches and team were prepared for what they were going to face. But boy, you just never know until they hit the ice exactly what you're going to see. Absolutely right. We looked slower during the first part of that first period. As the game progressed, uh, we started to skate with them a little bit better. Griffin Ludke got the scoring started. It was great to get the first goal considering how that first period had started. Uh, he put UNO up on the board, uh, assist to Brock Bremer on that. Ludke fired that thing in from the blue line. Boy, Bridge, he has had a really good start to the season after only playing 14 games last season. He's going to be a real key for the Mavs. Uh, one of the things we've noticed so far this season is we're getting a lot of participation from our defensemen in terms of scoring and, and really setting up plays. And he was certainly a integral part of that this weekend. And it was great to see your little favorite uh, Brock Skeeto, Brock Bremer, uh, get involved in that play as well. 
Absolutely right. We love Brock Bremer this season. Uh, Jason uh, on last week's episode said he was one of the best forwards uh, that we've been seeing uh, so far this season. We really depend on our offensive defensemen uh, to generate a lot of the offense in the offensive zone. Uh, it's just great to see him after after having kind of a quiet freshman season uh, come back and have success. And with Joe LeMay out, with Joe LeMay injured this weekend, we depend on some of those uh some of those defensemen down roster who might not have uh, been featured as much. So great to see him get UNO on the board. Uh, I was uh, I was feeling okay after that first period, but 2.44 into the second period, Western Michigan gets the equalizer. Uh, Owen Michaels for the Broncos ties it up. The shot was from the slot, but we're one-to-one at that point, Bridge. Early in the second period, what were your thoughts? Well, we knew that uh, Western was a high-powered offense coming in. And so when it was only 1-1 at that point, I was actually feeling pretty good about things. But I was just hoping for more Mav goals at that point. Yeah, I was too. And uh, 6.03 into the second period, our captain, Nolan Sullivan, uh, puts the Mavs up 2-1 to one on the power play. Uh, it was great to be up 2-1. to one. But just a short time later, uh, Western Michigan's uh, Hugh Larkin, about a, a minute 40 later, ties it up for the Broncos. The ease with which Western Michigan moved the puck around the offensive zone, for me, was a concern at that point in the game. But it looked like it was going to be tit for tat at that point, that UNO was going to trade goals. Certainly, uh, two teams that like to run up and down the ice. Western, a team that likes to score goals. Uh, I was worried at that point that it was going to be one of these back and forth games that was like seven to five or something like that. I, mean, I guess I wasn't worried. I mean, those games are very entertaining to watch, but uh, 1055 into the second Westerns, Matteo Costantini puts the Broncos up three to two Broncos leave the second period up three to two on UNO. So it's anybody's game going into that third period. Uh, we hope the team could tighten things up for the final frame, but it was not to be bridge. The Broncos went on to win five to two. The final goal was an empty net goal uh, right at the end of the game by Dylan Went. It was a tough night, especially, you know, coming off that game, that four to nothing loss to Ohio State the weekend before. What were your final thoughts on that Friday game, Bridge? Well, again, we were expecting uh, Western to score five goals based on their average. They did with that empty netter uh, at the end. Again, going to that third period, I thought it was anybody's game. Uh, we certainly were not giving up. We weren't back on our heels. I felt like we had some jump in energy in the third. But uh, again, you just got to watch out. those All those players to watch that you mentioned in last week's episode with Jason, a lot of them ended up on the score sheet, especially on Friday night. Absolutely. You know, watching the post-game presser, uh, Coach Gabinet looked dejected. I know that that wasn't the outcome that he was hoping for. Uh, Nolan Sullivan made the comment that the team was still trying to find its identity. And that's something that we've talked about on this podcast over the last few years when the team has had its struggles, is trying to figure out what this team is. And so, we're at that point in the season where UNO is still trying to feel things out. We lost a lot of top point producers from last season, like uh, like Tyler Weiss and Johnny Tyconic, who really were key kind of setup artists in the offensive zone. So it's just going to be rough going at times uh, here uh, early in the season. But we head into that Saturday night game. Things looked better during the first period on Saturday night for UNO. It certainly wasn't perfect. 
but the Mavs were working it well down low. It had some good net front looks, and the period was tied 0-0 in that second period going in tied. Sophomore forward, Ty Mueller gets his first goal of the season, 556 into the period. Uh, he puts the Mavs up one to nothing. He picks the puck up at the blue line and skated it right down the slot and put that in. Bridge, great to see Ty, who was one of our best offensive threats last season, get his first goal of the season. Yeah, you know, he was really um, an impactful player throughout that Saturday night game. He had several good looks uh, at the the goal. Uh, again, that first period being scoreless, I'm sure had to be frustrating for all of the Maverick players, but especially uh, for Mueller and the forwards who were getting some chances. So to see him be able to bury it, get his first of the season and get the Mavericks, get that all important first goal, I think really keyed not only the team, but also the crowd. It was really kind of a neat atmosphere Saturday night. Uh, the crowd was really into it for many various uh, reasons. <laughs> 24 seconds after that goal by Mueller, uh, WMU's Dylan Went ties it up for the Broncos. Boy, you hate to give up the equalizer when Nick Handley is still announcing who got the goal. Uh, <laughs> um, we were just happy that uh, we were just happy that the team was playing tighter, playing better, and that an offensive threat like Ty Mueller had finally gotten on the board for the season. We need some of those veterans like Mueller, Randall, etc., who were our point producers last season to start uh, producing this season. The period ended one to one, but there was a lot of excitement during the seconds. There was a shoulder to helmet hit on Brock Bremer that was completely missed by the officiating crew. So. That was great. Um, there was nearly a second goal for UNO for Dom Vidoli that was reversed because of goaltender interference, although there wasn't a player on the goalie when the puck was shot. Bridget, what did you think of that uh, missed missed hit on Bremer and that, uh, that uh, goalie interference call? Because fans were crowing about that uh, the rest of the game. That's what I was talking about. Like I said, there were some opportunities for the fans to get into it. Now, um, you're well aware that I live tweet the games as we're going along, and both of those plays were really controversial on Twitter. Um, I definitely think that there was contact to the head on the Bremer play that uh, wasn't called. A lot of folks online agreed with that. The goaltender interference one tended to be a little bit more split. Uh, there were some folks on there who said that they could see that. Um, obviously, we only had access to what we were seeing on the replay uh, aside from your John cam on your uh, phone since you're recording the clips during there but from what I saw I thought it was questionable um, and again the crowd in the arena agreed with me the crowd online on Twitter was was split uh, but fortunately they didn't uh, you know drop their defenses and and turtle up at that point they really uh, just kept at it, just kept going, and and it made a huge difference down the line. Yeah. You know, sometimes those moments are great because it really does get the crowd into the game. So, yeah, some exciting uh, little events going into that third period. So the fans were definitely fired up. Things stayed knotted throughout most of that third period. Western Michigan nearly went up 2-1, to one, uh, but the goal was called back for offsides. Uh, I went back and looked at uh, the clip that I recorded of that sequence of events, and sure enough, uh, it was offsides bridge. So uh, so we got confirmation of that uh, before the refs uh, 
before the refs let the crowd know about that. Uh, but it wasn't still the latter stages uh, of that third period that Jack Randall finally gets his first goal of the season and breaks the tie. It was set up by a nice pass from Matt Miller down low uh, near the goal line. UNO goes up two to one at that point. I'm thinking if they can just hold this together, we can come out of here with the win. But Western Michigan had other thoughts about that with 11.3 seconds left in the game. And with their goaltender pulled, Western's Constantini ties it up. Talked about him earlier. Mancini was covering him on the shots, but, but it just deflected in. So we're going to that three-on-three -three overtime period, Bridge. What are your thoughts after that third period heading into the three-on-three -three OT? Certainly when Western pulled their goalie with about two minutes to go, that is a long stretch to have to, uh, you know, it's basically an, an extended uh, penalty kill, and that is an exhausting way to end the game. And so uh, even going into that three-on-three -three overtime with that really late tying goal, I was still feeling pretty hopeful and optimistic. Again, they didn't get down after uh, the adversity that they faced with the goaltender interference goal being taken away, but I was hoping that it wouldn't take too long because it was starting to, to wear down my battery on my phone. <laughs> you and me both, certainly Western Michigan had to be feeling good at that point. Uh, and for most of that three-on-three -three period, I thought it was going to end in a tie. I mean, uh, nobody had really been able to establish anything late in that five-minute overtime period. Uh, Victor Mancini gets his first goal as a Maverick. I honestly couldn't believe it was his first goal. He's such a, such a great defenseman for UNO. Certainly not one of the offensive defensemen we talk about, like uh, Joe LeMay or Jacob Gavin. Um, tends to be more of a stay-at-home defenseman, but I was really surprised that he hadn't gotten a goal as a Maverick. Uh, the Mavs go on to win 3-2 to two in OT. They secure two conference points uh, out of a possible three. Um, an OT win uh, in conference play is worth two points. Uh, a regulation win is worth three points. So UNO comes out of the weekend with two out of six possible conference points, but considering how the weekend started, uh, I think that was a good outcome for them. Always important to get conference points uh, early in the season. Yeah, and the other thing that I think the team learned uh, this weekend, too, is uh, a little bit more balanced scoring. We got some guys on the score sheet, Mueller, Randall, Mancini for sure, that uh, hadn't yet lit the lamp this season. So, again, I think one of the things that we knew coming into this season was that we were going to have to find scoring somewhere. So it was good to see uh, some of those guys that we expected to be getting goals to actually, you know, get on the score sheet. Absolutely. In addition, special teams uh, are going to be so important going forward as we progress. Of note, uh, UNO, after this weekend series against Western Michigan, uh, is currently ranked 57th out of 64 teams on the power play. So they've got some work. They've got some work to do there because that certainly was one of the stories that uh, that came out of this weekend series against Worcester Michigan. So, so definitely good to get two points and have some some positive uh, momentum coming out of this series against uh, Western Michigan, uh, getting that exciting overtime win. So Bridge, we have to turn to our players of the week. 
this is your first time doing players of the week this season. Um, who did you like this weekend? There were a lot of a uh, lot of good choices this weekend to pick for our players of the week. Well, one, I really appreciate you letting me go first. That's so kind of you. Um, and before I divulge my pick, I did want to speak to again the team in the weekly press conferences. All the all the ones I've gone to so far this season has really emphasized, you know, team first as opposed to, uh, you know, single player accomplishments. And I think, again, this weekend was a testament to that. So it was tough for me to pick one, but I'm going to take the easy one. I'm going to pick uh, our sophomore goaltender, Simon Lacozzi, who got both starts this weekend. You and Jason had been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. Uh, they were doing the Friday-Saturday rotation. It was great to see him, you know, perform so capably in net because it really made a difference to have him making those huge plays to keep the Mavericks in the game, uh, especially again with that high-powered Western offense that we expected to see. Good to see uh, Simon have a good weekend. Uh, he There are always moments in games where he comes up big. Uh, I'm going with a player that we've been talking about for through the first few episodes of the Mav podcast this season. I'm going with sophomore defenseman Griffin Ludke had one goal and two assists on the weekend. As I mentioned earlier, he only appeared in 14 games last season, but has done a really nice job through six games this season. So uh, it's it's good to see the uh, defensive half of the Ludke brothers uh, have success this season. Uh, he uh, he and Tanner are going to be really exciting players for UNO the next few seasons, and uh, and Tanner had a lot of exciting moments uh, this weekend as well. So. Uh, a lot of fun uh, to get conference play underway. It's going to be interesting to see how the team evolves the next month or so as that goes. But we've got to turn to our things you missed at Baxter Arena. Last week, we touched on the fact that Friday's game against Western Michigan was vintage night. Lawler's Custom Sportswear, the UNO Bookstore, some of the other merchandisers around the city were selling vintage apparel. I had assumed, and I'd been under the impression since, gosh, I think last January or February, that UNO was going to be wearing throwback uniforms to the early years of this program. That did not, that did not come to fruition. So my apologies, because I had, I had suggested that that would happen during that Friday game for Vintage Night, it didn't. What did you think of UNO not wearing the throwback jerseys from the early years of the program? Well, I was really surprised. Um, and in addition to that, not only did we not wear the throwback jerseys, then we wore our gray alternates. So I was totally thrown off. I think one of the things that was said to me was that the Vintage Night was more of a marketing effort than necessarily oriented to the team. Certainly the lack of the retro jerseys uh, spoke to that. It was nice to see the old logo on the scoreboard. That was kind of a neat little touch. But uh, like you, I was just kind of surprised that uh, the 90s night did not feature the uh, late 90s jerseys that we thought that they would. For whatever reason, they didn't do it. It had been suggested uh, that the NCHC only allows teams to wear three jerseys. But I know that North Dakota 
wears four jerseys in a season. They've got their black road, their green, their uh, standard home whites, and then they've got uh, an alternate home jersey. Uh, in recent years, it's been the jerseys with the diagonal Nodak on the front. So they wear four. So I don't know necessarily that that was an issue. And I know that UNO has worn special occasion jerseys for games like the military night jerseys that they wore last season. So maybe at some point in the future, if they do a vintage night again, they will have the jerseys because I think that would be really cool. I think fans would find that to be a lot of fun, especially since Lawler's was selling replica jerseys of both the uh, the original home and road jerseys that the team wore. So there's that. Um, as you mentioned, the gray jerseys were worn on both Friday and Saturday nights. I think that's the first time that they've worn them both nights. Aside from the team's wardrobe this weekend, there were some other things that they were doing Friday nights. Uh, it started off with a tribute to former Minnesota Duluth player, Adam Johnson Bridge. Yeah, so uh, when we were at the Ohio State game on Saturday night, it came across Twitter of a tragic uh, incident that had happened in England where uh, former UMD standout Adam Johnson took a skate uh, to the neck and tragically passed away. Given the connection to the NCHC, all of the teams in the conference did a tribute this weekend. I thought ours was lovely. Um, I know that there are uh, a lot of folks who have connections to him, he was a player for UMD, um, at, I believe 2015 to 2017, huge impact on that team, making its run to the Frozen Four. And just to see the outpouring of support, not just, um, you know, for NCHE teams, but also around the world has been such a, a great thing to see, such support for him, uh, his family, his teammates. And so it was nice to see that tribute at Baxter Arena on Friday night. Such a tragic way that he died. It's brought up whether players in hockey um, should be wearing neck guards. I know that uh, some of the leagues around North America, uh, the one that I saw in particular was the Western Hockey League, are going to be instituting uh, that it's mandatory that uh, players wear neck guards. So it'll be interesting to see uh, in future seasons if the NCAA uh, institutes extra safety gear like that uh, for the players to avoid injuries like this uh, happening. We also had the homecoming courts uh, during intermission on Friday night. It's always nice to see those, uh, those UNO students uh, out on the ice bridge. Saturday night, one of the big, uh, big things that, uh, that we definitely want to talk about was uh, the Maverick Fan Fest before the game, which is put on by the UNO Alumni Association. They asked Bridget and I if we wanted to have a table, so we said yes. They had lots of fun events for fans there. They had shoot the puck. Um, they had cornhole set up, uh, and this was done on the uh, Holland Ice, UNO's practice ice sheet. Uh, they had snacks, so they had popcorn. They had some of those good uh, homemade chips uh, that we really like uh, that Saber serves at events at Baxter Arena. They had brownies. They had cookies. You could buy uh, drinks. They had soft drinks and uh, adult beverages available at that. The band came. You had the drum line come, which drove our niece Scotland nuts because they were really, really loud on that practice ice. 
There was a photo booth. We did not get a chance to get our picture taken. Bridge, what did you think of that event? It was certainly wonderful um, that the folks at the UNO Alumni Association included that. Uh, they always put on a great event, and we love to go to these uh, pregame events that are that are affiliated with hockey each season. Yes, it was a wonderful event. I know that there were some folks, you know, whenever something's happening on Holland Ice, you can see it as you're coming up the main staircase. And I know there were uh, looking up there, there were folks looking down thinking, what exactly is going on? And so this is your reminder to be sure and tune in each week to the MAV podcast because we had talked about it last week. I sent out a couple of emails about it. It was in our Facebook group. Uh, great opportunity for fans to uh it was almost like a little pregame pep rally to get some food and have some fun and interact with other fans and uh, then some of the booths. So in addition to the ones you talked about, there was also a tattoo artist that was uh, doing tattoos. I know Scotland got one of those. The Omaha Bull Market had a booth next to us. UNO alum Young Alumni had a booth. So it was a great opportunity for fans to get more connected with some of the resources around UNO athletics. And it was great for us to get to interact with some of the folks that are part of the Mav Puck community. Uh, we got to see some of them sporting the Mav Puck gear that we talked about earlier. We handed out uh, little cards that had all of our social media channels. And, uh, you know, we're hopeful that uh, anybody who is interested in joining us at that uh, Home and Home series with August Santa, if they want to make the trip up for the game, that they will connect with us because we have group tickets that we're going to be selling here uh, for a little while longer, and you can come sit with us uh, on that road trip to Sioux Falls. Also on Saturday night, former UNO defenseman Greg Zanin was honored with his final skate, as UNO referred to it, in a Maverick hockey sweater, uh, since he is going to be a Hall of Fame inductee this year. Um, because it was called his final skate, uh, one of the fans sitting behind us was thinking that maybe he was dying or something. <laughs> I could I could see that being the case because Greg Zanin, like a lot of uh, a lot of men in their forties and fifties, uh, has his head shaved. So <laughs> I can assure everybody, Greg is alive and well. He is the hockey coach at Stillwater High School in Minnesota. Um, Bridge, what did you think about them honoring Greg Zanin with his final skate? Because this is the first time UNO has done something like this. We've seen this kind of uh, honor given to previous, uh, you know, players at other schools. So it's exciting to see UNO pick it up. I hope to see more of it in the future. It's a great uh, thing for the fans. I know we've got a lot of new fans in the program over the last, you know, 10 years or so. But those of us that remember those original uh, and old bulls uh, love to see those guys come back and get recognition from the program. And so I hope to, to see more of this going forward, but it was awesome to see Greg Zanin uh, doing his signature moves of firing up the crowd just before he left the ice after that final skate. Yeah, Greg Zanin was a great player during his years. Uh, honestly, we could have used him on the power play this weekend. Uh, it's too bad. Uh, it's too bad uh, he doesn't have eligibility left. It's really important for a lot of the younger fans to understand that there's a history to this program because it seems like when new athletic administrations come in, there's a lot of turnover in the department and a lot of that institutional memory 
you know, gets lost. And so it's nice to be able to honor some of these players and have some of that historical context for the program because so many new fans don't understand where this program came from and what its oranges were. So great to see Zanon out there on the ice. And then finally, uh, before both games this weekend, uh, they were hanging out paraphernalia for the Wear Black Give Back campaign, which we talked at length about in last week's episode of the podcast. Wear Black Give Back, UNO's annual giving day will be 24 hours, November 8th to November 9th, noon to noon on both days. Uh, Bridget's holding up some of the items from Wear Black Give Back. I also have one of the foam fingers that we got in our packets for Wear Black Give Back. Uh, They do a lot of fun things. Obviously, uh, the little bowl that you're seeing, the little Durango that you're seeing, uh, they encourage people to post their picture uh, with him, and they were giving him out before both games. Uh, there are a number of things that you can donate to uh, during the Wear Black Give Back campaign, and certainly the UNO hockey program in particular is one of those things uh, our listeners might uh, consider donating to. You can learn more about uh, all of the giving opportunities at givingday.unomaha.edu. So turning to our next series, the final of our four home series stand. And I got to be honest with you, I'm very excited for the team to get back on the road because these home podcasts, there's just a lot to have to talk about, a lot to have to do, and I need a break. So the Long Island University Sharks are coming in. As of this recording, they are two and five in Division One play. They also played against D3 St. Anselm and won that game. Uh, They played pretty solid games uh, against the likes of Penn State, Boston College, and Colorado College this season. They are averaging 3.1 goals per game this season. Their head coach is Brett Riley, who spent a year as an assistant at Colgate. Before that, he started a program from scratch at Wilkes University. His father, Rob Riley, Uh, was the head coach of Army for 19 years and is currently a scout for the uh, Buffalo Sabres. Bridge, what do you think going into this series? We've had a rough couple weeks against uh, uh, ranked competition with Ohio State coming in, Western Michigan coming in. What do you think uh, of Long Island coming in, one of the new upstart programs along with Lindenwood, Augustana, Stonehill, etc.? Well, since we were a startup program ourselves uh, way back in that 97, 98 era, I know how important it is for established Division One programs to support these new schools and, and put them on the schedule. And this will be the fifth and sixth time that we're facing off uh, against Long Island. So I think it's important to schedule teams like this. It doesn't meet the criteria that you and uh, Jason had talked about in terms of using our non-conference schedule to really sharpen our skills. So I'm not expecting as tough of a battle as we had with Ohio State uh, and even Niagara, but I hope that the team uh, stays up for this. I hope that they don't overlook the Sharks because uh, they do have more offensive production this year than they've had in years past. And of course, we've talked about some of the struggles that UNO has had in terms of scoring and replacing some of those scores from last year. So uh, I don't expect it to be nearly as difficult, but uh, I do hope that we uh, 
you know, learn some things from our play with them, maybe get a chance to, to get some guys uh, rested and healthy because it is going to be a long slog from here on out. Um, players to watch forward, Ramey Parker transferred in from Maine this season. A sophomore forward, Josh Zeri, has four goals and five assists for LIU. And then a player I liked uh, for LIU last season, defenseman Jordan DeSicco, currently has one goal and two assists. Uh, they have two goalies who've split time uh, this season, uh, Brandon Perone and Rico DiMatteo. And this is Perone's third season with LIU. And DiMatteo transferred in after three seasons at Northern Michigan. So I've got to ask you, Bridge, what's your pick this weekend? Do you think UNO is able to get the sweep? Do you think they split? Do you think they get swept by LIU? Oh gosh, I hope we don't uh, split or get swept. That would be that would be awful. My prediction is for a UNO sweep. Again, like you said, I hope that they don't overlook uh, LIU as they start to uh, you know look ahead to conference play and some of those upcoming matchups that are coming before the end of the calendar year. But I'm hopeful that we'll get a sweep this weekend. I'm with you, Bridge. I hope that we get a sweep, and I think we'll get a sweep against Long Island University this weekend. It'll be really fascinating to see uh, some of the adjustments that the team makes. Um, certainly, there are a number of adjustments that UNO needs to make, so they need to keep uh, plugging away, and they can't overlook this team uh, looking ahead to uh, future future conference games coming up. So they've uh, they've got to be ready to go on Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, both of those games start at 7.07 p.m. at Baxter Arena. If you'd like to join us at the games, uh, the Baxter Arena ticket box office has plenty of tickets available. You can find links and uh, information on how to buy tickets at omavs.com. If you'd like to watch the games, uh, those games will be on nchc.tv. Every week people ask, is there another way to watch the games? some regular cable channel or something with a sport this niche, not at this point. Uh, so you can watch those games with an nchc.tv subscription. If you're local here in Omaha and you would like to listen, you can listen to the games on 1290 Coil. Uh, you can certainly follow us on social media, uh, on our Twitter accounts for game updates. Uh, and you can find links to all of our social media at mavpuck.com, as well as back episodes of this podcast. But until next time, Bridge, go Mavs. Go Mavs.